The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I have a message for you today from God. It's a message that is not easy. It is not light. It is not casual. Let's pray. Lord, as you spoke to me in the early hours of this day, and began to give me specific instruction regarding what I was to say and how I was to stand. Lord, I ask that you will pick this burden, this burden of salvation, that you will pick it up and open the hearts and minds of your people that they can hear clearly and not walk in any pride or arrogance before you. Not walk in the strength of their manhood or their womanhood, but humble their hearts and know that you are God and that salvation is not an afterthought, but rather must consume the very best of our attention and of our action. Lord, come, please. Quicken the words that you have given me to speak and cause them to find lodging in the hearts of your people as they listen. And I will thank you, Jesus. And we together will lift our hands in praise and adoration before your throne for the incredible work of salvation that you have wrought for us. Lord, thank you. I worship you, I praise you, and I honor you, mighty God of heaven. Thank you. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Sin exists in the soul After two forms. First, sin exists in a man's soul in guilt. This requires forgiveness, it requires pardon. It's not false guilt, it's guilt because of our actions, it's guilt because of our thoughts the direction of our life. It requires forgiveness. It requires pardon. And then secondly, sin exists in the soul of every man as pollution. It requires cleansing. It requires cleansing. A man can be forgiven for his past sins, but still live in the pollution of his soul and in the filth of his soul, and he is not saved. Salvation is both forgiveness and cleansing. If one is left out, there is no salvation. But today, very few are pardoned because they do not agree with God about their need. They do not agree with God about their sin. They do not call sin what God calls sin. They compromise. They play games with God. They hide from God. Do you? 
Do you agree with God's judgment on your life about your sin? Do you take full responsibility for your actions? Do you say, yes, Lord, I did that and I was wrong and I repent and I will not do it again. By your grace and by your mercy, I am finished with that sin. If you sidestep your sin and do not come into full agreement with God regarding that sin, there will be no forgiveness, or in the Greek, aphimate, meaning removal of that sin from your life. The only victory is found in a frank and honest admission to myself and to God and to others regarding my true sin. If there is any hiding, one lives in the darkness and refuses to come out into the light. And so very few of you listening to this broadcast have truly been pardoned because you have not yet come into full agreement with God regarding your sin. Many of you have treated your sin as something of inconsequence. You have not taken seriously the fullness of your condition before a holy and righteous God. And until that position is changed, you cannot have your sin removed. It will not be removed as long as you make excuses for it, as long as you submerge yourself in feeling bad about it, as long as you continue to beat yourself up over it, you have still not come before God and admitted the full extent of the love and lust in your heart for that sin. It requires coming before God and laying aside all sentimentality, all excuses, all make-believe, It requires your full attention. You cannot be saved as an afterthought. What if I make a grocery list? I'm having people come to the house. I make a grocery list. I go to the grocery store and I forget the list. And so there I pick up everything I can remember on the list. And then as I arrive home and begin to unpack the groceries, I see that I have forgotten some things on the list. But the time is too short. I cannot return to the grocery store. And so I say, it's okay. I can do without those items. They were an afterthought. And I don't have time to deal with them adequately. I can't drive back to the grocery store. There's no time. My guests will be arriving. And so I do without. That will not happen with your sin. You will not come to the judgment bar of God and then have an afterthought regarding some aspect of your sin that you have not dealt with. All sin must be dealt with. All iniquity must be forsaken. You will not be able to have an afterthought and say, Oh, Jesus, by the way, I forgot about this. No, it's too late then. You stand before the judgment bar of God. 
and you have treated as inconsequential your salvation and you have not made adequate preparation, remember the story of the ten foolish, the, the ten virgins, five wise and five foolish. The five foolish virgins came with some oil in their lamps, but because the bridegroom was delayed, they ran out of oil. This is the church. Jesus is saying half of the church will not be able to enter into the kingdom of God. Half of those who say I'm Christian will be barred from the wedding feast of the Lamb. Why? Because they did not make adequate preparation. They did not deal adequately with their sin. It's very easy to be self-righteous. It's easy for strong men and strong women to grow proud in what they know. To grow proud about the Bible they use. To grow proud about the way they live their life and the way they train their family. Self-righteous, a hard edge. Love is not the first thing seen from them. Instead, it's harshness and arrogance. We must make adequate preparation that will humble our hearts. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed is the man, happy is the man who recognizes he has no righteousness of his own. It is all of Jesus or it is not righteousness. We must come into agreement with God regarding our sin and deal with it accordingly. Now, please. If you divide your day into a pie, what is it that gains most of your time and attention? Where do you spend your time and attention? There must be a full, hard press in your life and in your heart, a full, commitment of time and energy toward Jesus Christ and toward the kingdom of heaven or you will miss it. You cannot deal with your sin as you would deal with a hobby. No, it must be your full occupation to deal with Jesus Christ in preparation for entering that holy land. Now, secondly, sin exists as pollution which requires cleansing. Now, very few are cleansed or sanctified because they refuse to end their life of self-will. They refuse to end their life of self-will. First, we are required to deal honestly with God and come into agreement with Him regarding our sin. And secondly, we must be crucified with Christ. The first is a requirement of self-denial. The second is a requirement of crucifixion. Many of you are called Christians, but you still live your life. You just live it now as a Christian, as a cultural Christian, 
but you still have the same traits. You've just baptized them and called them Christian now. You still have the selfish heart. You still have the temper. You still have the self-righteousness. You still have the attitude that I'm the man. You have not been transformed and made into a new creature by Jesus Christ. You've, you've chopped off a few things from your life. Maybe you've chopped off the cigarettes or maybe you've chopped off cursing. Maybe you've even chopped off lying. Any of those things can be done by a pagan. But the whole transformation of a man's heart can only be done by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, by a work that is supernatural that God does in us. We have set our sight, we have set our hope way, way, way too short of the glory of God. We have been satisfied with a shallowness that will take us to hell. There is a sincere crying out to God that must occur in our hearts. There must be an entire transformation of our being. There must be a submission. If we are to be cleansed, this life of self must come to a crashing halt. And Jesus must be lifted up. And he must be everything to us. He must be the fondest desire of our hearts. I fear that many of you are still but infants in Christ. This was the writer of Hebrews. He was concerned about that. Let me read it for you. This is Hebrews, the fifth chapter. I'll begin with verse 11. We have much to say about this. That is about Melchizedek. Now, please, let me just put in context what I'm saying out of the, out of the chapters of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews opens with a very clear understanding that there are wonderful men and women, Jewish, who have now presented before them Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And then the writer of the book of Hebrews, it was written first for the Jewish people and secondly for we who are Gentiles by birth. But then he tells us we're to be brought in and the division is to be healed and we are to be all the children of God, sanctified and made holy. But the first four chapters of the book of Hebrews simply talks about this glorious person by the name of Jesus who has existed from eternity. He was not created. He is the pre-existent God of heaven and earth. We believe that God expresses himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He was not, he was not indicated as Son before the creation of the earth. We don't know what his name was. Every name that God uses in the scripture is a salvation name. God uses names for himself that indicate his saving work for man. Now, please let me say this very, very clearly to you. The salvation of man was not an afterthought of God's. The salvation of man is not secondary to the purposes of God. A cancer appeared in heaven. The highest archangel, Lucifer, rebelled against Almighty God and made blinding accusations that he was unfair 
could not be trusted. The ambition of Lucifer's heart was that he be raised up and he be seated in the heavenly realms as God. He desired to establish for himself what was right and what was wrong. And so when he came as a cancer into the Garden of Eden, he talked to Eve and to Adam about this new understanding that they would not surely die. He talked with them about this new understanding that they could choose for themselves what was right and what was wrong. And they could use the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to do so. Now the tree of the knowledge of good and evil belonged to God. And so he told them, this is the one tree that you will not touch. You will not eat the fruit of or you will surely die. It was God's tree. And they stole the fruit of that tree from God. God had planted the tree. He named the tree. And in the spirit realm, it belonged to him not to Adam and Eve, and they chose to steal from it to establish their own right to determine what was right and wrong. Now, let me make a controversial statement, please. The Roman Catholics believe that you must be baptized as an infant so as to break and wash away Adam's sin, original sin, from your heart. This is not biblical. It is fantasy. Every man and every woman is responsible before God for his own sin. What happened is God put in place a rule that said each will produce after its own kind. And so Adam and Eve became sinners in rebellion against God. They joined in the devil's cancer. And so they produced children after their own kind. And each child was responsible for his own sin. And each person needs a personal savior to save them from their own sin after having been created after the kind of Adam and Eve who were in rebellion against God. So every boy and girl, every man and woman is born after the kind of Adam and Eve. So some sentimentalists want to say that when babies die, they go to heaven. Nonsense. That baby was born after the kind of Adam and Eve, full of sin from birth, in sin in their mother's womb. There is only one way you enter into heaven. And that way has been provided by the blood of Jesus Christ, not by being born as a baby and dying. That's not a second way of salvation. Now it's very clear to me I have great feelings for babies. I lost a little boy many years ago. I want that little boy to be in heaven. But he never had a chance to know Jesus. And I pray, and my understanding is that if I am to be saved, my son will also be saved because he was under my wing, under my pasok. And I'm under the wing of Jesus Christ. But I don't know that for certain. But let's not get tied up in these kind of questions. I trust Jesus fully and completely. He will do what is his perfect will. And I know his will is that of love and compassion and mercy. 
So let's be plain today. Let's be very clear today. We are faced with the reality of our sin and of our pollution. And we must have a way for these to be cared for, as does every human being who has lived on the earth. And you will not be able to enter heaven as an afterthought. You will not enter heaven as a cultural Christian. You will not enter heaven having it as a hobby. It must be the all-consuming, all-consuming interest of your heart to know and obey Jesus Christ. It cannot be an afterthought. Your salvation was not an afterthought. The cancer was very real. And the only way that cancer could be cut out and any of us saved was for Jesus Christ to offer himself as the atonement lamb by the shedding of blood to meet the demands of the covenant. And he met those demands. And now there is a way open for us into the heavens, into eternity, into the celestial city, into the new Jerusalem. There is a way opened. We have an absolute promise and an absolute covenant that we can trust Jesus Christ to do this work in our hearts. But it is not a casual work. It will consume your time, your energy, and your money. Now he speaks in the fifth chapter about the people who are, who are living on milk. Joel Olstein is a very popular American preacher out of Texas, the smiling preacher. I run into people regularly who listen to him and watch him on television and think he's the greatest thing going. He is barely but offering a few drops of milk. And if that is the level at which you are today as a Christian, if you find great comfort in Joel Olstein's teachings, and I could name many others, Creflo Dollar, I could name many others for you then you are still a baby. You are still an infant. You have not grown up. You are immature. And you must grow up in Jesus Christ if you are going to enter into salvation. Those five foolish virgins never grew up. They were still infants. They did not have a sense of their responsibility before God. They did not have a sense that they needed to make preparation. They thought it was an inconsequential thing. And they ended up being barred from the, from the banquet of the, of the Lamb. Verse 14, chapter 5 of Hebrews, verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves or practiced with their senses to distinguish good from evil. In other words, they have walked with Jesus and they have learned by the Holy Spirit writing his laws upon their heart. They have learned what pleases God and what displeases God and their full attention is upon Jesus. He says in chapter 6, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ. Let's go on to maturity. Let's not lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith in God, instructions about baptisms and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. These were questions that new Jewish believers had. Some of you might have questions about what happens when a man dies. What about the secret rapture of the church? 
you might have questions about about baptism. What does it mean? About the judgment. Do the dead continue to live forever in hell, burning in the fires, or, or do they die when they are burned up? Are their ashes scattered? These are not the issues that are concerning a mature Christian. We have to lay aside the foolishness, the casualness, and the immature questions that really are inconsequential. It doesn't matter to me whether there is a secret rapture or not. I don't believe there is. I believe the teaching of Scripture is that we will go through that final horrific time of trouble. But I may be wrong. But does it matter? No. The question is, am I prepared now? If Jesus comes today, am I prepared now? I believe that Jesus could come at any moment. I expect him every day. When I awaken in the morning, I say, Jesus, let today be the day you end the suffering and the sin and the cauldron of vile wickedness in this earth. Jesus, let it be today. I cry out to him even as the righteous cried out against Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as Noah cried out against the earth with righteous preaching for 200 years. I cry out, Jesus, come quickly. Deliver your people. We're being slaughtered across the earth. We're being beheaded across the earth. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So I'm not willing to dive into the question of Will the Roman Empire be revived? Are the ten kingdoms European kingdoms? I very seriously doubt if the ten kingdoms are European kingdoms. And I certainly don't think America is one of those kingdoms. But this is an immature issue. It doesn't really matter. What matters is Jesus. And am I prepared to face the judgment Some of you argue about, I'm a King James man, 1911. Do you understand that when the King James Version was published, those who read the Geneva Bible said there's no Bible but the Geneva Bible. And they scorned the King James Version. Well, today everyone in certain circles, worships the King James Version and the NIV is anathema, or other versions are anathema. I'm not going to get into that discussion of which Bible you must use. Is the ESV a good version? Yes, it is, but it leans toward the Reformed Version, but so does the King James Version, and so does the Geneva Bible. They all lean toward the Reformed Beliefs. John Calvin, King James Version, translates in Acts the word Passover as Easter. The word Easter comes from Ishtar, the pagan fertility goddess. So even the King James Version, we can find words that have been corrupted, that have been included in the King James Version that are not in the Greek. But that's inconsequential. I believe in the authority of Scripture. I believe in the absolute inspiration, in the infallibility of the Scriptures, but not in all the translations. But again, this is a discussion for the immature. If we're going to go on to the real issues, to the issues of righteousness and maturity, we have to lay aside these hobby discussions like we're talking about the Redskins or we're talking about the Ravens or we're talking about the Patriots or some other football team. Some people talk about theological issues in the same way. It's inconsequential. It's foolishness. We must go on to maturity in Christ. We must deal with the sin and the pollution of our soul. 
or we will be lost, as were the five foolish virgins. Now in chapter 6 of the book of Hebrews, he says, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ. And let's carry on. Let's go forward to perfection, completeness, maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God. He goes through this list. He says, let's not deal with these anymore. Let's go on to the real issues that face every Christian. And then he has a very severe warning. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, that produces a crop useful for those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Talking about Christians who have thistles and thorns growing up in their lives. What are those thistles and thorns? Jesus tells us. He says, they're the love of money the love for other things, the responsibilities of life, the things that distract us from the absolute pursuit of righteousness in Jesus Christ. So the writer says, let's go on. He says, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we're confident of better things in your case. I pray to God that I can be confident of better things in your life. He writes in verse 11, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Through faith and patience, enduring. Now, very quickly, I'm going to give you a sidetrack, and then we're going to come back to this. This radio broadcast, Pilgrim's Progress, is Jesus-sponsored radio. And each month, we are responsible to pay WAVA their fee for buying this time. And yesterday, I came to you with a request that you step forward and help me with the $1,200 we're short this month. Many of you called and stepped forward, and I thank you. And I thank all of the rest of you. Our bill this month is pushing the 4000 mark. We are still $380 short of being able to pay this month. And I'm asking, if this radio broadcast is of value to you, and you believe it's of value to others in this Washington metro area, Would you call our producer right now and would you finish up this $380 that we're short? I hate to interrupt our study, but I have to be responsible for Jesus because if the bill is not paid, I cannot be on the air next month. So let me give you the phone number. Brother Kevin will answer the telephone. Call 877-534-0780. Would you help us cover, we are still short, $380. Would you help us make up this difference for the radio cost for the month of June? 877-534-0780. I don't do fundraising. I believe in offertory. I believe in sharing with God's people the exact amount that is needed and then letting Jesus move in your heart to bring tithes and offerings to cover that cost. So would you call quickly 877-534-0780? 877-534-0780. 
Brother Kevin, you don't need to go on air. Just give him the amount that you will commit to. We don't need your name. We're not going to follow up. We trust that you will do what Jesus puts in your heart. 877-534-0780. And if you would like to go on air, if you would like to respond to what I'm teaching today, you're welcome to call that number. I'm happy to pray with you or talk with you. Know today that that this is not an afterthought. Salvation is not an afterthought. It's something that absorbs every ounce of our energy. And so I give every ounce of my energy to the work of the gospel and to the work of being made righteous and utterly leaving behind all sin. And I have done that in my life. I walk clean before God. I don't walk in any known rebellion. I'm constantly in the presence of Jesus, standing before the throne of God. I want you there with me. I want you to have a powerful testimony of glorious victory and deliverance and cleansing. I want the joy of the Lord to fill your soul. I want you to rejoice forevermore in Jesus Christ and in his glorious salvation for you. But I cannot be casual about it. I must come and speak very plainly to you about the gospel of Jesus Christ that will cost you everything, and yet it's all free. So would you call right now, 877 534 and I ask Mr. Producer, Brother Kevin, would you just text me quickly with whatever comes in so that I'll know where we're at as people respond and let us know where we're at. Now let's go back to the scriptures. What we find is the Apostle Paul, now or the writer of the book of Hebrews, I don't know who it was for certain, the writer of the book of Hebrews, in verse 17 of chapter 6, sums it up and then he begins to go into the depths and we are going to go beyond the, the casual and beyond the baby things of the gospel and we are going to go into the meat in the coming days and weeks. Now, I do want to tell you one part. I do not have a producer for Thursday of this week, and so it will be a sermon or a a rebroadcast, and also Friday, and then all of the July 4 week. I'm going to rest and pray. I don't have a producer, and so that will be different sermons that I have proclaimed and broadcasts that are the classics. Brother Ed has chosen these. He's my IT person, a committed man to Jesus Christ, washed in the blood. So please be praying for me that July 4 week as I'm just in the prayer closet hidden with the Lord And when I come back, we're going to dive right into the mature issues of the book of Hebrews. But now let's go Hebrews 6, verse 17. Because God wanted, yes, Mr. Producer. Uh, yes, we'll take both calls, and $25 has come in toward that 380 and I'm praying that the rest of you will quickly call, and let's get this $380 covered. Yes, uh, let's take our first caller. How can I pray for you? Hi, Pastor Ray. How are you? I'm doing well. Is this Nigot? Yes. <laughs> 
How yeah. are you, Nigat? How can I pray I'm for you? I'm good. I wanted you to know that I've been still um, searching for the Lord. My my walk with Him has been wonderful, and I did get baptized by the Holy Spirit. And I believe in what you say that the only way to get to heaven is being baptized by the Holy Spirit. Yes. And I've been praying for my family to come to the Lord. It's been a really big battle, so I wanted to ask if you could pray for my family. And also, my kids and I are looking for a place to move because at the place where we live now, we, we've been robbed, and it's not a good feeling anymore because I feel like that your home should be safe and comfortable, and everything's just been mixed up in the air and... and not a good feeling. Let's pray, Nigat. Thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your daughter, Nigat. And I join together with her. You said where two or three come, there your presence is. And where, where, where two agree or three agree, you will act. So, Lord, we touch and agree now in the name of Jesus that you will deliver her family from the powers of darkness and you will call them into the light. Lord, I pray that you will hear Nigat's prayers as she waits before you in obedience, in humility. Would you save her family? Would you turn the hostility toward the gospel away? And would you quicken them by the power of your spirit? And Lord, I thank you that she's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I know the neighborhood she lives in is not a very safe neighborhood. I pray, Lord, you will order her steps and open the way for her and her children to live in a place that is safe in your care. And Lord, your spirit is prompting her saying, don't remain here. But Lord, we need more than that. We need you to be very specific with her on where she's to go and how she is to afford what you send her to. So, Lord, I praise your name and I worship you and I know that you hear our prayer and that you will answer. Lord, thank you. And thank you for Nigat's testimony that she serves you, Jesus, and you alone and that your spirit fills her life. I pray for your joy to just enfold her and direct her in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. (laughs) Good to hear from you. God bless you. God bless you, too. Nice to hear you all the time on the radio. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Zach, welcome. What would you like to share quickly? So, Pastor Ray, as I've been listening to you these several months, I would agree that the lifestyle has to agree is your with the ra- Zach, Zach, is your radio off? Oh, sorry. Um, what I'm saying is that uh, worshiping God through trial, tribulation, or temptation is what's bringing me through to this point in my life. Yeah, there is no growth without suffering. Yeah, I know, and uh, there's been that, but um, finding worshiping God through it is what's bringing me through Yes, these things. Yes, absolutely. So I, I want to encourage everybody that uh, if they will just center into that, like some mornings I'll get up and there's this oppressive thing of uh, the world over me, and, uh, you know praying for my healing of my wife and, um, you know, financially also. So these are the things that I'm dealing with. Everybody's dealing with different things. So worshiping God through it, trial, tribulation, or temptation is what's been helping me. Yes. So I'm just trying to encourage everybody. Thank you, Zach. God bless you. Good to hear from you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I want to take you quickly in response to what Zach has said to the sixth chapter again 
of the book of Hebrews. And we have just a couple minutes left in the broadcast. Verse 17, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. In other words, he made an oath and he made a promise. It is absolutely certain. And it goes on. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We have this anchor in whatever suffering we're going through. We have this anchor. It goes right into the Holy of Holies. We are firmly anchored in Jesus Christ if our eyes are upon him and our heart has been washed by his blood. And we're walking clean in Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit we then have an anchor that goes right in. And so as we suffer, we trust Jesus. As the finances are short, we trust Jesus. Whatever the situation is, we trust Jesus. Our eyes, our thoughts, our attention is on Jesus. What a glorious message he has given us in the gospel What peace and what joy and what mercy we find in Jesus Christ. Well, we're out of time today. I want to ask you, please, come and join us at the National Prayer Chapel. Why do you need to? Because you need to be out of any place that is foolish and filled with darkness and entertainment. You need to be in a place where the Word of God is spoken cleanly, without varnish, in a way that calls you to Jesus Christ and calls you to grow and mature in him. Now, the church is not a place you just visit. It's not a place you just show up. It's a people you belong to, where you become friends and accountable, where you have fellowship one with another in Jesus Christ. So let me give you the address. The National Prayer Chapel meets At the All Saints Anglican Church, we rent that church. We meet at 12 o'clock noon on Sunday. The address is 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you'll find easy directions, a map, You'll find whatever you need about the National Prayer Chapel. Now, I've spoken honestly to you today the Word of God. I pray His blessing and His conviction in your heart. Oh, Lord, bless your people today with the presence of the Holy Spirit, with conviction, with healing, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee. I'll talk to you soon.